I've heard of like one bed trope. Yeah. I've never really heard of sit on man trope, you know? One chair trope. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sit on big man trope. <laughs> that's, that's a fun way to see it. That's an Anyways, way yes, to see I've it. heard of one bed, but Romancing the Monsters. I'm Em. Hi. Oh, I'm Seth. You're not even waiting for me to say I'm Em and you're like, hi. <laughs> I just wanted to say hi because I felt like, you know, it was just... No, it's fine. Just say it. Like, you don't care. Nobody cares who I am. It's the Seth I show. just wanted to be a part of the greeting. Is mm-hmm. that a problem? Yes, it is, actually. Okay, fine. Redo it then. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> today, it is all about... Raylo. It is all about the love hypothesis by Allie Hazelwood. First, before we get into a discussion of this book, Seth, um, I didn't tell Mm -hmm. you about this, so this is a surprise for you. (laughs) Okay. Um, But because this is a Raylo fanfic come to life, you know. Yes. uh, Well, come to life, I wish. Um, Not, you know, (laughs) technically. (laughs) It became a book, a traditionally published novel. Um, I want us to go down memory lane together. um, And I want this to be the Raylo podcast. You know what I mean? Because I feel like we've talked. I am so down for that. There might be some tears. Oh, yes. Full of tears. It's coming. It's coming. Uh, Because I feel like we have mentioned definitely on the podcast before that you and I are very big Raylos. Uh, mm-hmm. But we've never actually, like, talked about it. You know what I mean? No, we haven't. So I feel like because this is a Raylo fanfic, I feel like we're allowed to use this space. This is our safe space, space to talk about Raylo. <laughs> yes. And if you're not a Raylo, um, well, get out of here. You're missing out. Get yeah, out of here. Just get out. We don't want you. I'm kidding. Um, just skip this episode then if that's, if that's something. Yeah, but then, like, that'd be very weird because most of our content is Raylo-ish. Raylo-esque. Yeah. So, like, yeah. why do you listen Then skip to the whole podcast Yeah, at this we're point. not for you. Like I said, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Seth, tell me yes. how your love of Raylo started out. Like, where did it start for you? When did it start? Okay, so I was someone that wasn't really on Twitter or, like, basically any social media besides Tumblr when uh, the first movie came out, The Force Awakens in 2015. She was a Tumblr girl. Yeah, I was a Tumblr girl. Um, And basically what happened was I went to see the movie because, like, I fell in love with Star Wars in high school. Um, My teacher showed us, like, the last film and, like, the original trilogy. And then I was like, oh, my gosh, I love the story of Anakin. You know, like, he got redeemed, but sadly he died. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and watch all these movies. So I did, and then, like, I was excited Wait, so for the th- new one. you mean Revenge out. of the Sith? That no, one? sorry. I meant Episode Six, so that was Return of the Jedi. Oh, okay. So you mean uh, Vader, like Anakin 
like yeah becoming uh, no sorry vader becoming anakin again not anakin becoming vader okay no, no no so then after i watched that film in school i ended up like literally buying all the dvds and just like watching them um and then obviously yes my love for anakin revived itself because i did watch um i believe the episode one um phantom menace is like and also revenge of the sis episode three mm. um when i was like a kid and when it was showing um so i kind of like vaguely remembered what was going on with anakin um, but anyways, I ended up re-falling in love again with the whole world and everything like that. And then cut to 2015 and then the, uh, the movie is coming out. I watch it, you know, I'm watching it. I think it was like the first weekend. I was like, I'm so excited. Went to watch it. And I literally left the theater the first time. And I was like, honestly, Kylo Ren and Ray tell me you guys see it to like my family. And they're like, he's the villain. And I'm like, no, no, no. But tell me you see mm-hmm. it. And so, like, from then on, I was, like, literally the early Raylo when everyone was um, shipping Finn and Ray. I was, like, no, I need to know if there's, like, a place for this somewhere. Yeah. Like, Tumblr kind of had, like, a presence on there, like, I think, like, the first month it came out. And then it slowly started growing and growing and growing with all these, like, theories coming out. Yeah. But, yeah, just keep things short. <laughs> I mean, like, I've always been a Raylo. And then eventually you did join uh, the Twitter discourse. I did. Thanks to you. I got Twitter because Em was like, you need to be on there. All the new news comes out. Like you want to be like aware of what's going on in like the railover. So you have to join Twitter. So bottom line, I am the reason why Seth started watching Turkish shows because she never would have known about them without me (laughs) if I hadn't gotten her onto Twitter. Actually, that's a lie. Sorry. Sorry, Em. Um, I started watching Turkish shows. Quick little info. Um, because I guess her mutual friend, Brit, um, yeah, yeah. she started watching them. And she's another Raylo as well. Um, so we bonded over that. Um, but she ended up introducing me to um, hot Turkish men that got me into shows. Fine. <laughs> what about you? How did you get into Raylo? My story is uh, when I was a kid, my very, very first crush as a girl was Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> well, mine was uh, Darth Maul, so I feel like... Okay, that makes sense. But the, the thing is, I never ac- I've never watched the first one, Phantom of the Menace. Phantom of the Menace? <laughs> <laughs> Phantom of the Opera, you mean. <laughs> the Phantom Menace. I've never seen it to this day. Are you kidding? So what, you never watched my man's intro? Yeah, so I, I could never, I, I've never been able to fall in love with Darth Maul because I've never met him, Met him, you know? I, I think you should maybe try it out one day when maybe, you're not so raw. Maybe I should. Um, Star Wars. So I was mostly just watching episode two and three on repeat over and over again because I was like, there's something about this broken ass boy with the scar and the hair. He had like, you know, the shoulder length curly hair and And the angst, you know. The angst and he was like, I will do anything to bring you back to life if you die and I was like, Oh, oh my, my god, god, that is the most romantic thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. And like I was so young that I didn't like realize it was cringy as hell like that was just like 10 feet over my head do not care it's romantic as hell to me like yeah I was really into that and mm-hmm. um then I kind of fell off the bandwagon the Star Wars bandwagon for a few years I mean there was no Star Wars so you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and then in 2015 I remember seeing The Force Awakens in theater with my mom 
And oh, okay. I specifically remember the interrogation scene yeah. and him taking off the mask. And I remember vividly sitting there, seeing him take off the mask and going, oh. <laughs> right? That's interesting. Like, that scene was on purpose. It was. And I remember feeling that way. And I was like, is this going to be a thing or not? And mm. it kind of didn't go further than that because I just assumed, like, I just took in what everyone else was assuming, which was there are going to be siblings. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I mean, that kind of sucks, you know, because we've had that yeah. before, but, like, whatever. Yeah. And at that point, like, I still really wasn't back into the whole Star Wars thing. Like, I was just, I watched it because my mom wanted to see it because she's, you know, she was a big fan of the OG. Yeah. So, um, the OT, sorry. And so... In 2017, right before The Last Jedi came out. So I think it was probably late November 2017. Gabby, our friend Gabby, who has been on the podcast before, um, she mistakenly sent me Raylo, like smutty Raylo fan art that she meant <laughs> to send Seth. Because you guys had yeah. been talking about Rayla yeah. at that point. Yeah. And she mistakenly sent them to me. And she was like, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to send this to you. And I was like, wait, wait, <laughs> what is this? Is this Kylo and Ray from The Force Awakens? And she was like, yeah, like, it's a ship. And, like, Seth and I, we ship it and everything. And I was like, wait, tell me more. And is that when we made a group chat with the three of us so that we could... Well, uh... yeah, I think, like, first of all, I went on my separate ways and I, like, researched the hell out of it because, like, that fan art was hella hot. And then, like, I started reading fan fiction. Mm -hmm. And, like, essentially, that that from that moment and, like, up until The Last Jedi came out, like, I fully became... <laughs> such a Raylo like I it was all I could think about I was watching everything obsessively like all the theories out there and like all the podcasts and just everything oh yeah um, you were like really into those podcasts oh yeah I I listened to everything um yeah. and so yeah when when I dive into something I dive hard hard no regrets well that's why i don't get involved with too much media because it's like yeah. if i fall i will fall fall hard and it will take over my life so like i've got to be cautious about that yeah but here it's just, it's just i there was nothing i could do it just happened and then obviously uh, the last jedi came out um i was overjoyed uh i died my obsession became even uh more difficult to ignore uh yeah. adam driver Dra became the love of my life and then um, i loved him since 2015 although I, people can argue they've loved him since girls but that's fine i fell in love with him in 2015 he was just so beautiful in the first <sighs> one so beautiful but in the second one too because like Ryan oh Johnson he's understands that adam driver is hot and like he understands how to use yes. lighting to just make him look like a fucking god, which like Adam you. Driver is, yeah, um, and yeah, and to finish this off, 2018 I think is when I fully joined like fandom. So like okay. I was on Twitter, like actually talking about it and everything. Um, until um 2019 and the movie that shall not be um not 
talked about. But that's great because I don't know if you knew this. Isn't it like amazing how Allie Hazelwood was given permission to write and direct episode nine? Like, isn't this an amazing? Isn't it insane (laughs) how Ray and Kylo like touched something and then suddenly they were transported within the force and dumped into an alternate reality where Ben is now a professor named Adam Carlson. Yeah, and Ray is now Olive, and she's a graduate student at his university. Isn't it amazing how that happened? It's amazing, honestly. Amazing. I I love that, um, you know, they took this direction in creating episode Mm -hmm. nine. Yeah. Like this. I I think it's amazing. Amazing. Star-crossed lovers to the next level, because it's like alternate realities. Yeah, they literally traveled through the stars to find find one another again. We're being totally sarcastic, everyone. Just the denial is strong. <laughs> so um, this is fan fiction. Yeah, this started out as fan fiction, and then it was picked up, and it became uh, an actual novel. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to tell us, Saf, what is the love hypothesis about? All right, I'll give you a quick synopsis. So basically, this book starts off with um, our girl Olive, um, who's just starting. Her- in her postdoctorate journey. Um, so it starts off with the prologue and it's um, before she even starts uh, the program. And she meets a guy in the washroom and they have a little discussion and um, she can't see him because um, this girl put expired contacts in her eyes. Um, but anyway, so she was struggling about if she should join the program or not at Stanford and then the stranger is kind of the reason why she decides to join. Um, cut to, I believe it's like two years later and um, she randomly goes up to this man and kisses him um, because her friend, um, aunt, is it on or Anne? I think the, in the audiobook it said on. On. Um, so on was uh, actually on her way and she knew that on would be able to witness that. Um, she wanted her friend on to see it because she wanted um, her ex, Jeremy, and on to date. Um, so anyways, this starts this whole... Um, fake dating between the guy that she kissed who she finds out later on or not later on but literally at that moment that it's Dr. Adam Carlson who's like this like uppity rigid kind of asshole yeah anti-social yeah and basically everyone hates him because of how brutal he is in terms of like on the committee and like for approving or disapproving things and anyway so she ends up fake dating him um, he needs to get uh, funds released to him because the school believes that he is planning to flee and go to another school. Um, and they don't want to give him that money and that for his research because then they're like, we're not going to see the results. Um, so he needs to show that he is actually permanently going to be in this area. And he wants to, you know, have Olive be his other counterpart in like this relationship, this fake relationship. So like everyone can see. And on the other side for Olive, she wants to show her friend on and Jeremy that uh, she's in a solid relationship and she has moved on from Jeremy. Um, so kind of that's what gets the ball rolling, but on her friend takes it to one step, you know, higher and she puts them in all these awkward situations and it kind of pushes them closer together well because she's like don't you want to do this with your boyfriend he's your boyfriend you're dating him like go out there and kiss him like he just pushed a fucking truck by himself like go rub sunscreen on his hot ass yeah (laughs) yeah um and that's basically the general idea of the story is just that they're you know together but not but they want to be 
How did you like it? I loved it. <laughs> like, it was okay. I will admit it's quite cheesy, but like yeah. good cheesy, you know? Yeah, like, I cheese. honestly, I couldn't put it down. I I think I messaged you as I was reading it, and I was like, I'm probably going to finish it tonight. And I just started it that day because it was just so easy to read. And just like, it was so light, and like, I needed a stress free book. And this book really provided that for me. Yeah. And I just really enjoyed the characters and like yes, you can really tell who's who in this Star Wars universe and this like I said, I overall like really enjoyed it and yeah, what did you think about the book? I loved it. I you had listened to the audio. Such a good time. Yeah, it was a very good audiobook. Um it was from a narrator that I've never heard before, but I really liked mm-hmm. her voice. Uh it was it was good. Like it just felt good you know like you yeah. said like th- it, there wasn't that much drama it's just you're reading it for the fun of it I do feel like it is an actual rom-com like I feel like yeah there are a lot of books well rom-com I mean there are like you know themes in here that you know are a little bit darker but darker. you know they don't I was gonna say they don't necessarily like loom over the plot but maybe they do i don't know Mm -hmm. uh but it it felt to me like an actual rom-com which can't be said of every rom-com out there that states it is a rom-com i feel like um agreed it was just a fun read it was funny um there was a lot of humor you know poking fun at the romance genre but in a loving way like in a way that like romance readers can actually appreciate as opposed to feeling like you know yeah oh here's another person making fun of what we what we love like no no no, it's like lovingly poking fun at yeah and i feel like that really showed when all of um when uh she finds out the, that the, the one alone and boston and then yeah. she's like wait is this the one bed trope and then he's like what are you talking about and then she's like do you not watch rom-coms and then, <laughs> and then i just love that it skips to the scene and she's like there was actually two beds <laughs> yeah <laughs> um question for you yes <laughs> um did you read it as a fanfic when it was out in the world no did you no i didn't this is one fanfic i never really like read i mean i've heard about it yeah. When I was um, head over feet, I believe that's what it was called as a fanfic. Um, but I, I never read it. I never got around to reading it as a fanfic. Uh, no, I was reading mostly uh, Raylo fanfic that was either fantasy or set in the Star Wars world. Like, I wasn't very much into the, uh, like, you know, modern day alternate universe type thing. Wait, so you didn't end up in the Omegaverse Raylo world? I didn't. I know. Wow. I did. I know. <laughs> you did. You did. You read freaking Moth Ben. Moth okay, Kylo. okay. That's like monster fucking. No, I've never read a ABO Raylo fanfic. I know. Shocking. Maybe I should get on that. <laughs> no, I just I just love the world of fan fiction. Like it's the characters you love and you get to see them in a different world. And I feel like um the ones that I've read were like so well done and just like fan fiction in general. I just, I love it as a genre and I don't know. I just think fan fiction is sometimes where you need to be at if you're looking for a certain type of idea or like a story or like, I don't know, a setting. Feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Feeling. And I just no, feel like I, I characters... said healing. Oh, healing. That, that, yeah. that's also true too. Um, yeah, honestly, they're characters that you grow to love and you already love them when you go into these fanfics. So. Yeah. I will say, like, this, Raylo was probably, at least from memory, well, I mean, does Twilight count? 
it was my first experience of fandom and i will say that well i mean was i part of i mean i was a twi hard but like was i part of the fandom culture no because i wasn't really on the internet at that point Mm. so i guess it doesn't count uh it was my first like actual experience of being in a fandom and like interacting with other fans etc um and I will say that one thing that really stuck out to me was just how talented the women in this fandom are. Like, and the men, but like, you know, it's mostly women, I would say. Um, they yeah. are so freaking talented. They are mm-hmm. so freaking intelligent. They are so freaking, like, I just, I was always amazed by the stuff that these people could come up with. And exactly. I mean, a lot of Raylos are getting book deals nowadays. And it makes me so happy. So you don't understand. happy. Yeah, because they're amazing writers, you know? Like, a lot of them... They are. ...were writing fanfic, and it was like, why the hell are you... Like, why the hell is this fanfic and not, like, actual trade pub books, you know? And yeah. it makes me so happy because a lot of them are now going out there and writing the books that they want written and writing books for us, <laughs> yeah. you know? Exactly. I love seeing that Raylos are out in the world now and they're publishing or like yeah. whether that be like working in like the film industry or working yeah. in like with books. I just feel like we're finally at a point now where like we can see and read what we want to read and what we wished could have happened, you know, I guess in Star Wars. But I just love seeing the creativity of Raylos out in the world. I think it's amazing. And Allie Hazelwood did a bang job with this book. Like honestly, I... I felt the Raylo in there, but I also felt like it was its own original story as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Not to get into the drama, but I do feel like before this, like, sort of push for, you know, Raylo writers out there, I feel like a lot of authors were actually against it. And there was very much like a culture of like the people that are published are like anti Raylo and the Raylos yeah. are working hard, you know, writing all the fix, making all the art. Blah, blah, yeah. And so it feels very good to see those people actually being given a platform to yes. talk about the stories that they love and to write those stories. And cause like, fuck those people. I agree. I'm not going to name names, but you know who you are. And <laughs> if you're listening to this, you probably know who they are. So <laughs> agreed. Um, but yeah, no, um, what you said, I think it's it's about time, you know, this type of storytelling exists. And you know what? I'm all for it. I am like I literally just got Lake's Edge by Lindell Clipstone in the mail and like it made oh. me tear up of it because she's another yeah. like another Raylo. We have like an episode on that book as well as like yeah. an interview with the author if you want to go listen to that. But she is such a Raylo and like I loved seeing her her own piece of work, like yeah. in actual book form. It was like amazing. Yeah. And I think like if 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 the Rise of Skywalker did anything, which it didn't do much, <laughs> but if it did mm. anything, I think is push all of us, including you and I, yeah, to go out there and say, fuck y'all, I'm writing with whatever the fuck I want because this is bullshit and I'm sick and tired of these stories being twisted into something that they are not. Yes, I totally like agree with that. I mean, I don't even want to get into like how angry and frustrated and depressed The Rise of Skywalker made me yeah. feel. 
Um, but yeah, that movie was a shit show and it honestly broke me to the point where I know a lot of other Raylos and those who love Ben Solo can like, you know, probably empathize and feel with, but like, I honestly like went through like a serious grieving process for Ben Solo and like, I don't even think I'm fully out of it, but like just the idea that like people are trying to like not fix it, but like heal, like -hmm. you said throughout like these like fanfics or these published books it's just amazing to me and I like I want it to keep going and like you know keep happening because like I don't know we all need some healing from that movie yeah I think you and I both kind of came to a screeching halt after that movie and just disconnected from that fandom entirely and like I threw myself into romance I was already a romance reader obviously before then but that movie just you know showed me that um I wasn't safe in this world yeah, I wasn't safe. And I wanted the safety of romance, of my yeah. romance books. And so that's what I focused on. Uh, so this is actually, for both you and I, kind of our first time dipping our toes back into this, isn't it? Yeah, I totally agree. But for me, it took me a bit longer to find, like, my new thing to obsess about. Um, I found Turkish shows, like, later on, I believe in, like, March, April 2020. So, like, I had a few months where I'm, like, I'm still in this, like, I'm missing Ben Solo and, like, Ray and Ben being happy together in Naboo. Period. Um, Because that's where they are. They're fucking on Naboo as we speak. (laughs) Yes. Thank you very much. Um, So, yeah. uh, I don't know where I was going with that. But, yes, it did take me a while. And this is our first time actually talking about it publicly, I would say. Because we do we did have our conversation. I mean, we're not ashamed of it. Like, that, let's, let's make one thing very, 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 very clear. We are not yeah. ashamed of being Raylos. This oh, is not the kind of podcast where know. we're going to be like, yeah, like, you know, we're kind of Raylos. Like, no, fuck that. I am a fucking Raylo, okay? And if you I don't will be like a Raylo that, until the I door die. is right there. You can argue with the fucking ground. I don't care. Okay? Yeah. Um, no, uh, that being said, like I, like you said that it was our, it's our first time speaking publicly about it, which, you know, it's not that big of a deal because we talk about it all the time anyway, but like actually like going in depth with Raylo is kind of like, it's bringing up some emotions again, but like, I'm going to just push through it. Oh, is it? Yeah. I mean, like, I'm still feeling like a big void in my chest, you know, where my heart is supposed to be. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry about that. Um... It's Okay. I'm like it's something positive. It's hopeful again because, yeah, yeah. like, like you said, we have all these Raylos out in the world now. You know, yeah, and we have this great book. content. You, you know, we have this book. This is Raylo. <laughs> yeah, and if you didn't know, now you know, and yeah. you know what? Because some people don't know. I've I've seen that like on TikTok, people don't know that this is Raylo Fenwick, and they're casting. Adam Driver as Adam, and it's, like, the most hilarious thing ever, because it's like, do you not know? No, Allie, Allie was not, you know, trying to hide anything. She renamed him Adam. Like, Right? That's the most, (laughs) that's funny to me. I love that. I know. She's not even trying. She's like, yeah, this is going to be Adam, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. (laughs) And, oh, my gosh, and did you also see now that there's fanfic on the hypothesis? Yes. Which is so funny because Love Hypothesis, as we know, is like fanfic for Raylo. It's like in fanfic inception. I know. It's so oh great. Oh my god. Imagine a, fanf- a fanfic of Ray and Kylo reading the Love Hypothesis. That's fanfic inception. Someone oh my write gosh. that. I think you should write that. I like, feel like imagine it's Ray writing it 
And it's actually like her writing fantasy because fantasy to them would be, no, my brain just went somewhere. It was way too complicated (laughs) for my brain. (laughs) We're not scientists on this podcast, but you know who is? Adam and Olive. So let's talk about that. Exactly. (laughs) Big brains. We are little brains here. Big brains are going to, we're going to talk about the big brains. Yeah. Um, anyway, speaking of big brains, um, how did you feel about the lingo? Because I'm not someone that comes from STEM. Yeah. I'm not someone that, like, understands the scientifical languages that were used in the book. But, like, I did feel like it just went over my head. But, like, I still kind of understood what was going on. Yeah. But, like, you know what? I loved it. I loved that this yeah. book was, like, intelligent and, like, used – like, Allie really used her own intelligence to write this book. And I just, like, I loved it. Like, I didn't have to understand it and, like – you know, hinder my enjoyment of the story, but, like, I still understood enough of it. Uh, same. Whenever this <laughs> happens in, in books and people start talking a language that I'm like, you are way too intelligent for me right now. Yeah. Um, I just like to take a step back, you know, and I'm just, like, happy for these characters to speak the same language, and I'm like, I don't speak it, but exactly. I love that for you. <laughs> yeah. We want someone that we could actually be on the same level with and actually have these conversations with, exactly. you know? Like, Adam and Olive, you go, guys. Like, I love you. Continue. Yeah. Yeah. So, like you, kind of went right over my head, but in the best way. Like, it's not annoying at all. Oh, no. Yeah. So, okay. Let's let's talk about certain scenes, shall we? Yeah. First of all, the one scene that I feel like a lot of people are talking about, and I want to know if, if that was, like, a, like, you know, a standout scene for you or not. Is the whole, like, sitting on his lap (laughs) scene. Like, so many people are talking about that. Like, oh, she sits on his... Because, like, on is like, why don't you sit on his lap? Like, this room is hella full and, like, I can't breathe. So, like, just sit on his lap. And he's got nice thighs. Go sit on them. Uh, It's a big man. So, like, might as well, you know. Um, So, she does. And then what everyone is freaking out about is that he, so he puts his arms around her waist to, like, adjust her because she's, like, sliding off, which is funny. And then he just leaves his arm there around her waist and everyone's, like, freaking out. So I want to know, were you freaking out reading that or? I mean, I've heard of, like, one bed trope. Yeah. I've never really heard of sit on man trope, you know? One chair trope. Oh, sorry. Sit <laughs> on big men. <laughs> that's, that's a fun way to see it. That's an interesting Anyways, way yes, to see I've it. heard of one bed, but same. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. Oh it's, my God. it's, we're calling it this. <laughs> Sit on big men. <laughs> Anyways, yes. Um, it wasn't a trope I was familiar with, or like even yeah. knew I needed in my life, but, uh, Love it. Allie Hazelwood delivered, and I enjoyed that scene thoroughly. Like, the sexual tension in that scene was so great because, like, at that point, Olive was kind of desiring him, and he, we obviously know, like, later on in the book that he's been desiring her since they first met. Um, so, like, I don't know. That sexual tension there was so great. That man has been in love with her since day one. And I don't think that that's meant to be, like, a big reveal because like you fucking no. know you know like that man yeah. is whipped he is in love he's just pining and olive is just doesn't realize at all she's oblivious 
But she does have an inkling, of, like, a little bit more than halfway through the book, where she's kind of like, was he the man? I think he was the man, but why is he not acknowledging it? Does he not remember? Type but then she thinks he's in love with someone else. I know, because of Holden Rodriguez. So, so she's still oblivious. They're both oblivious. Like, there's one scene where Adam walks in on her was she talking to malcolm mm-hmm. and she's like i'm in love blah, blah 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 and he walks in and he only like catches the end of the conversation and like it's obvious that she's saying that she's in love with someone and what really broke my heart is that adam right away he doesn't even like question it he's like yeah no it's not me because she's like oh no, no no it's not you like don't worry about it it's not you um because she's like really em- embarrassed and she's like oh my god like he can't like what am i gonna do if he finds out that, like i've fallen in love and like right away adam is like oh yeah no of course it's not me and i was like oh yeah my it's god, jeremy boy you can't be loved you can't i know loved. how did you feel about that scene though i really um i liked that olive recognized her feelings pretty early on in the, the story yeah. you know that she was in oh, love with like, him before 50 percent yeah um and obviously like you said that he didn't recognize it was him and he assumed that it was jeremy her ex how did you feel about that scene that like we didn't obviously like he didn't uncover that sooner idiots in love idiots in love like that's that's raylo idiots in love like they loved each other from pretty much day one they're just too dumb to tell each other and like notice this was that that was that part of that plot like it's like she knows he knows but they don't know that about each other and they won't tell each other because they're you know sure that like that couldn't be true yeah so i loved it and and like you i really liked that she realizes that pretty early on like there's no bullshit around it it's like actually i think i love this man Mm -hmm. i think i really do I mean, I love him, too, so get in line, Olive, but... Uh. Yeah, get in fucking line. We've been here a while. <laughs> <laughs> can we talk about... Can we talk about Adam's bigness? His dick? I mean, that's part of it. I just love how, obviously, Adam Driver is a very, very big, large mountain of a man. Yeah. And I just love how it was so emphasized in this. Yes. I mean, like my mind big, clearly went um yeah, down to big south. dick. But uh, yes, overall very large man. I was picturing like the last Jedi Ben Solo, you know, mm-hmm. like the last Jedi. Yeah. That's what I was picturing. Like there <laughs> there's a there's a scene and I wrote it down cuz I thought it was so funny. I I think it's Malcolm that sees adam when he's shirtless when they're they're like at the picnic yeah and he's shirtless and i think it's malcolm that says did he have shoulder enhancement surgery (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's amazing he does have very very wide shoulders yeah delicious delicious shoulders and just to think olive was lucky enough to rub sunscreen all up in there you know and yeah Whew. Lucky, lucky woman, Olive. You know what wasn't emphasized that much? What? His big hands. Yeah. I feel like we're jumping, but I kind of... No, you know what? We'll talk about their sex scene later once we talk about more things, but... Why can't we talk about the sex now, though? <laughs> What's stopping us? You want to talk about it now? Yeah. Okay, fine. Let's talk... Okay, let's talk about it. 
I don't want to like edge this on like how uh, Mr. Adam edged Olive yeah. during their scene. Yeah. That scene was so sexy. I loved it. Oh, actually, speaking of the one instance where she actually emphasizes the bigness of his hands is during the sex scene when he's trying to, you know, yeah, I'm doing gestures with my hands, but he <laughs> well, he had to prepare her. He's trying to insert a digit into a hole. And she says that it literally will not go past the first knuckle. It's that wide. Take a moment. Yeah, take a moment. Let that sink in. Let Literally, pun intended, let that sink in. Ah! <laughs> that was a good one. Thanks. <laughs> I did like that scene. I loved how awkward it was. It was really awkward, yeah. It, it was like the perfect mix of like awkward and sexy. Like it wasn't <laughs> awkward to the point where it's no longer sex- sexy. It was awkward to the point where it feels real. You know, like it feels like real sex between two people that do not know each other's bodies yet. Yeah. And are kind of like fumbling around a little bit like, do you you like that? Do you not like that? Also, Adam, consent king. Yes. And okay, I also wanted to mention um, Olive is someone that like only feels sexually attracted to if she trusts that person. And um, she keep, she mentions it quite often, and I feel like that's really important to highlight. And yeah, yeah. we know at that point that she fully trusts Adam enough to share her body, you know, with him. And like you said, that scene was awkward, but at the same time, it was such an important scene for Olive, as well as, like, their relationship, like, their relationship progression. Um, and, yeah, I just, I loved that scene overall, yes, for the steam, but also for, like, the emotional impact it had as well. Yeah, I think it's it's very important, actually, to see different depictions of what desire looks like for different people. Mm-hmm. And for Olive, you know, like, it's it was kind of just, like, a thing that she's never felt before. And, you know, obviously she had questions about that because she was like, why? Um, but then she finds this one person who she feels very comfortable with and she trusts him enough to let him in. (laughs) You are the queen of puns today. How did you feel about like the lead up to the sex scene? So basically we uncover, um, that the person that Olive was hoping to work with in September, which would be like the person that she would go would be her new mentor because her own mentor is retiring and she needed a new place um, to, you know, continue her research and find a new lab. And so the person is Tom Benson, who happens to be Adam's mm-hmm. partner. Um, we find Fucking out at asshole. this... asshole. That's what he is. He's disgusting. We find out at this um, retreat of sorts. So it's basically yeah. like um, all these talks happening. Um, he only accepted Olive basically uh, to sexually assault her. And uh, he basically told her that she's nothing and her research is crap. Yeah, it was just, it was demeaning and disgusting. And then obviously Adam finds her in their bedroom, sobbing her eyes out. Um, and she doesn't really tell him the whole story. And then they get, and he's you know. so protective. And like, she's trying to play it off like, oh, nothing, blah, blah, blah. And he's not having any of no. it. And he's like, who the fuck did it? And he has such like tell me who hurt you, I'll kill them, energy about him in that scene. And And he's like, let's go report it right now. Like, get up, let's go report it. And she's like, no, you know what? And, like, she's trying to protect him because, like, she knows that this this partnership is important to him. He has grants associated with it. And, like, she knows 
she feels actually that it's more important than her own like safety and her own you know things that happened to her I think her reaction to it like her instinctual reaction after it happens is very very natural yes of and course. normal and I actually really appreciate it um you know especially like sexual harassment um it's uh, sadly for a lot of people the first reaction is okay I'll just won't I won't say anything about it yeah because it, I'm better off this way like I just want to let it be and not think about it and move on type of thing um so I I loved that that was her first reaction and like obviously you understood as well that like she was thinking well what does that mean for adam because you know he like you said had this whole thing with tom and he would lose that and you know i think it's it's natural and it makes sense um her reaction and i love that han is like no you're not gonna well actually i love that she comes to that realization first by herself she's like you know what i'm not gonna let this man fucking steal from me my idea is my research that's not gonna happen mm-hmm. and then she goes to on and on is like because like the the clip the audio clip starts playing yeah and they're like what the fuck is that and she has to explain and this is malcolm and, and on right now yeah. yeah and they tell her like you you have you have to at least tell adam like he he should know about this yeah um and that's when Malcolm was like, you know what, you have someone to go talk to. Go talk to Rodriguez um, and see what he has to say. And then obviously she talks to him about it. And then, you know, I love I loved Holden. His character was so great. Yeah, I kind of wish um, Holden and Malcolm's relationship hadn't been so uh, developed because I wanted them to get a book. Yeah, I kind of wanted them to have a story as well, but like I feel like they now reached... I don't feel like they will. No, I don't think so. I think maybe if like this was a longer fic, like a maybe in the fanfic they had more of like a developed oh, story. That's true. Um, yeah. I don't know. Um, but speak. Sorry. Speaking of Allah's reaction to what happened to her with um, Tom, she also starts kind of semi-believing what he's saying and saying like maybe he's right maybe my research isn't that great and like she starts like rationalizing it in her head which also causes her to not report it also with like you know Adam and him being partners but also just like she low-key starts believing it and like that's heartbreaking but it also is so like normal like it happens all the time you You start you you start thinking things like Am I making this up? Am I dramatizing it? Am I making it bigger than it really is? Was I to blame? Yeah. Did I lead him on? Yes. All those things start happening. And and your first instinct is always to turn toward yourself and be Mm -hmm. like, what did I do? Yes. How how am I responsible for what happened? Yeah. And I love that um, Allie Hazelwood even, like, took it, like, a step further. And, like, before any of that happened, we have Olive questioning her own outfit because she's, like, maybe it's a bit too short, but actually it's fine. And then, like, later on, he uses that. Like, obviously, he didn't reach into her mind and take it out. But he's, like, you wore this short dress for me. You're such a tease, blah, 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 blah. And, like, it honestly, it was a thought she had of herself before even being assaulted. And it's just, like... It's so sad and heartbreaking because Olive is so excited about her talk. Yeah. It's awful. Awful. And, like, it also made me think about how 
there was a an author note at the end of the book and unfortunately uh i have to admit i listened to it but i do not remember exactly what it said but it was something about uh you know stealing property as far as like research and stuff and it made me think of all the times that this has happened in oh our yeah history of all the women that have had their research their stories their theories stolen by men and men then slapping their name on top of it and calling it there yeah it happens so often and it's not like it's not just women but like especially in stem yeah no like i agree and it's like not just women but those in like vulnerable positions and like i think they even highlight that in the like in a part of like adam's history where he talks about like when he was just like a postdoc student he kind of like was suffering from like his own mentor being like manipulative and also like hateful towards him and creating then, like, a really like competitive environment yeah and then you also find out that tom has kind of been like his i guess guardian angel and saving him in certain things but they also mentioned that like Holden doesn't really trust him and like maybe it was assumed that he took some things from Adam or like made it seem like you know he had a bigger part in Adam's success than he actually ever did um so yeah I mean at that point Adam was in a vulnerable state and his own research and his own findings kind of got used as well yes but Adam is a man yeah like Yes, his situation was not easy and like him and Holden were, you know, pitted against each other by this <laughs> Snoke-like character. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but I think more so it's more so it's women that have been erased from oh, history yeah. and even more so women of color. Yeah. You know, that's the whole point of on being like no, I want to create this safe space for women of color in STEM yeah. to unite together and find support with each other. Yeah. Because look at us, you know, on at the beginning of the book, that's how her and, and Olive sort of meet. Yeah. They're literally the only women in a, in a room full of men um, who are started out starting out in this like uh, graduate program. Yeah. And on is like so much for trying to be inclusive. Like, where the hell are the other women? Exactly. There's only two of us. How is this inclusive? And for me, this kind of like relates to what I thought the monster of the story was. And that was like sexism in STEM and like just the lack of female presence. And like that also stems from like the amount of sexism that there is in this uh, field. And like you said, it's not a field that many women get into or like maybe they're not easily accepted into because they feel like it's very closed off and very male oriented. And Olive felt that numerous times and like like we said with Tom and like also on with her comments saying that like I can't believe there's only two women here and like it's sad to say that no other women really were mentioned besides um, her mentor um, Aisha Ghul. Um, and it's just like it's so sad because like sexism is still very much prevalent in STEM and I like I think it's slowly changing but at the same time it's just like it causes for so many situations to happen like you said stealing research um maybe some like taking advantage of females or like people of color in general in terms of like you know taking like stealing their research and yeah but but also it's you can't just be you can't take an environment that's already toxic and open those doors to women and people of color and be like, let's be inclusive. You have to change the environment to begin with or else you're just introducing victims into an environment that is toxic. That's agree. a target on their back. Yeah. So it starts with changing the environment. Uh, what did you feel 
What did you think the monster of the story was? Since we're already talking about it. Uh, for Olive, um, let me just find it. Okay, so for Olive, um, well, obviously she's always felt very, very alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, she didn't have a dad. Her mom died of uh, p- pancreate, p- pancreatic yeah. cancer. Is that what it's called? Pancreatic yeah. cancer, yeah. Um, when she was very young and then she was put into foster care, which first of all, I love that Olive is Canadian. Yes! Shout out. <laughs> Loved it. Uh, don't know why she didn't make her like British or something. Yeah. Maybe because like, like it was maybe more, maybe it made more, more sense that, like a Canadian student would go to America. Study in the US, in the, yeah. Maybe. Anyways. Uh, so she's always felt very, very alone. And uh, what I love is that she feels that way even amongst her friends mm-hmm. which i think is important yeah. like you can be surrounded by, by people that love you and that you love and still feel incredibly alone and like something is missing in your life and um that's how she felt and i think she even mentions at one point that adam helps her in a in a way that others can't like he feels a hole in her <laughs> oh god that <laughs> other people <laughs> cannot kill even her friends i mean know? i'd hope they wouldn't fill that hole but uh <laughs> i'm so sorry it's not even intended um anyways and and because everyone she's ever loved is has you know left her or died yeah. she has this deep you know seated feeling that she is not worthy of love mm-hmm. that she can't be loved so that's, I think, her monster is to uh, realize that that's not true. That there are people out there who love her and will never leave her, Adam. I know. He's loved I her know. For years. It, it, like, it was so sad, too, like, when she thought the contract was done. Like, it was only up for, like, a month. Like, they had, like, a, obviously, like, a contract between themselves that they, they would break up. Um, like, break up, fake break up um, a month later because that's when his funds would either be, like, delivered or, you know, not at all given to him unfrozen yeah um so she decides to end things before he ends things with her and uh she does that because she finds out that he's applying to positions in boston which is a school that you know she'd be going to school in boston at um was it harvard yeah yeah and he was like he never talked about leaving and then she finds out that he's planning to leave um and actually go to the school that she's going to um, and so she decides to go and just I like, fucking love this man. <laughs> I know, right? He just up and leaves his whole life, you know? I just I just love quietly obsessive men. Yeah. Who are just like, Oh, you're leaving? Okay, I'm leaving too. You're you're gonna go there? Okay, I'm I'm gonna go there too. Like I won't tell you about it, but I will be there. Yeah, but he didn't even tell her about this. And to think okay, but also think about this. Hold on, put this into perspective. They were only talking for like four weeks, right? Four weeks, this man decided, you know what? This is the woman I'm going to move my life for. I'm going to move to Boston and be with her. Four weeks. Is Leave when... everything I know and everyone I know. I'm going to Harvard, too. Yo, I'm, I'm so in love with a man that falls hard. Hard. And I mean, probably because in his head, it hasn't been just one month. It's been six years. <laughs> um. Yeah, yes. Um. Maybe cut that by half. It's been like three years. <laughs> He's loved her since infancy. <laughs> Straight out of the womb. Oh, my gosh. Um, but, yes, that being said, Olive decides to end things before he could. 
Um, how did you feel about that? About like their little their breakup? I actually really liked how it played out because she's she's like, you know, putting her tough girl panties on and she's like, I gotta end this and then she tries and she fails. Well, I mean she does it, turns around, starts crying, turns back around, hugs him. And then he makes <laughs> like, out with her and pushes her against the wall <laughs> and then lets her go and I'm like, Holy shit, Ben I mean sorry, Ada. But I just love how she had like a moment of weakness. You yeah, know? because it's she realistic. was like, no, I'm gonna, I've got to do this. But then it's like, but this man is fucking hot. <laughs> no, but it's also realistic because at that point, her feelings are very much invested, and she thinks she's doing this to benefit him. And like, absolutely, it's just like it's it's heartbreaking, and it's so realistic in the sense where like he also we know at this point he has feelings for her, obviously, and he doesn't want to let her go, and he's like kind of like still and frozen in time and then like he acts really quickly and tries to like grab her and like kind of show her without telling her that he wants her to stay but but also he's he has such an easy time letting her go in the sense that and this i think plays into his monster Mm -hmm. and what i said earlier that his first assumption is always like yeah i'm not enough yeah so that's why he lets her go so easily because he's like, okay, she's had enough of me. She wants to move on with her life. That's, I, okay. Yeah. You know? I also feel like um, their monsters are kind of similar. Like what you said, it's like feeling lonely. And well, it's like, Ben and Ray after ben all. Ben and Ray, exactly. They're Ben and Ray. Um, so basically his parents were very much work oriented and they never really spent the time with him as a child. And like he kind of learned to be like self-reliant and be independent at yeah. such a young age that he's never really felt the need to ask someone to stay because it, like Olive, he doesn't believe people would ever stay. Um, because he has never really experienced that besides Holden. Um, and yeah, I just feel like they're both so closed off on that sense. And like, yeah, I love them both individually together. And like that scene was really raw and really real. If that makes sense. Can we go back to talk about sex? <laughs> sure. Um, I just wanted to say, let me find my note again. It was important details, okay? Okay. Only important details right. here. Um, well, first of all, what I really liked about the sex scenes is that I love it in books when the people, people feel comfortable enough to say things during sex that they wouldn't say out loud in any other circumstances. That's to me, those are the great sex scenes. Those are the sex scenes in books that you're like, yes, I understand why this is here because it allows for the characters to say how they feel or to express with their bodies how they feel about the other person without actually having to say it to them. Um, so that was done very, very well in this book. Um, oh, um, <laughs> the note in question. <laughs> Is about the fact, you know, we emphasize bigness, everything, you know, his fingers are just shy of too much. Love that. Um, but Where is my this man, going? My man, Adam, can fit a whole ass boob in his mouth. Oh my gosh, yes! A whole ass boob. That man is going to the buffet and he's like, I am taking everything thank you very much i am eating all of that thank you yeah, very much i was like holy shit 
He wasn't playing. He did not come to play. He, the whole boob. The whole boob went in. Yeah. I love how that's your note. Um, I also wanted to say, I thought it was really, really well done. Um, kudos to you, Ali. Like, all of really telling him what she liked in bed you know like what made her you know feel pleasure and I love that she was so vocal about it because I feel like we have so many instances where like the guy automatically knows what to do with her body and like how she like you know would reach that peak he knows everything yeah but in this book Adam was like he was in it and he wanted her to also be in like the situation with him and like he actually like wanted to know what what made her feel pleasure and I love that Olive felt that comforter like, I guess the comfortable nature of that all to, like, tell him this is what I like, this is what I like, and this is what I like, you know? And, like, I don't know. I just really enjoyed seeing that in a story. And I love when he's like, my favorite color might be green. Yeah. Because her underwear was, was green. Yeah. It was it was a hot scene. Like, it was hot. Right? I don't know if I was prepared for that. And there's one point where, like, they've barely done anything and Olive is, like, soaking wet. And I was like, same girl. Honestly, um, if Adam was in front of me doing barely anything, yeah, same. <laughs> and she was feeling embarrassed, but I was like, this is all of us. You know, don't feel, sh- don't feel ashamed. The sexual tension was cultivated in a way where, like, I felt it, you know? Like, I felt it. I, I have a note that says... I'm so fucking weak for a man with I'll take care of it energy. <laughs> Adam had big I'll take care of it energy. In fact, he even says I'll take care of it. I know. After the whole Tom thing. And when he learns about it, he's like, I'll take care of it, babe. Just go back to the hotel. Okay. Speaking of Tom and that situation, how did you feel or like, how did you think about like the truth coming out the way that it did? And that being said, that was when Olive decides to take a trip to Boston and go to this this dinner this uh with this interview for uh Adam and kind of like pulls Adam to the side and be like I have some proof that I think you need to see and like just plays it basically and then Tom comes um sorry Tom comes and then she plays it how did you feel about like how that played out okay there's several parts of that answer yeah okay first part is the way I thought it would go down because she mentions how the recording kept on playing and we know Mm -hmm. that there's that whole conversation on the tape. Yeah. And so I thought that Adam, since he couldn't go to her talk, he would ask about the recording and she would send it, send, well, send it in without realizing that, you know, the conversation was on there and that's how he would find, find out. It is not how he finds out. And I love how Allie was like, yeah, no, I, I'm aware that this is here and like I'll have her cut it out type of thing for, for the professor, the, mm-hmm. her um, advisor or whatever she is called. How it went down, I actually like because she's the one telling him. And I think that's an important thing for her to tell him mm-hmm. um, because a lot of women don't feel secure and um enough to to do that Mm -hmm. you know they don't feel safe enough to open up like that but the way that she went about it with you know just playing the recording I think a lot of people could be disappointed in that but actually it makes sense because like she is very vulnerable in that moment and to me it makes sense that she's she has that safety blanket of having the recording and so she doesn't necessarily have to say it but she's letting him see it yeah. or hear it yeah um 
So I liked it. I think it was realistic in that sense as well. If you have the recording and you're scared in that instance that he's not going to trust you because you have that other asshole over there, you know, acting as if that's not true, then it makes sense to me. Yeah, I agree with that. And I also thought that um, either Adam would be the one hearing the recording or her mentor, Aisha Ghul. Oh, yeah, and she would message Adam. I thought about that. Yeah. yeah, but I liked how it played out, and I loved that Olive had that agency in that situation. I feel like it was really important for her to be the, like, I guess, in control of her own narrative. And I love that, you know, it took that direction. And I also, like you said, she just played the recording, and, like, I can see why some people could be, like, disappointed with that. But at the same time, I'm someone that, like, whenever I'm, like, in a high, intense situation, I kind of, like, my words start jumbling and like I don't really yeah my anxiety really kicks in so I don't know You're not very confrontational exactly yeah or like I just start crying if like <laughs> I'm faced with like I have to confront someone I just start crying so like I can understand why like maybe Olive was like I don't have the words really to say what happened but I'm, I'm just gonna play it and I don't know I loved how it played out and I love that Adam was like you know what? I'm gonna protect you you're my woman and like punches Tom in the face yes it was great <laughs> Honestly, this could have turned into uh, a murder novel, and I would have been fine with it. Yeah, same. Kill, kill an asshole. Don't care. Bring out the lightsaber. Bring out the lightsaber. <laughs> um, can I mention a few uh, subtle Raylo uh, hints that I just loved that were thrown in there? Of course. Like subtle little details. First off, Adam has a scar over his brow. Yeah. He does. Yeah. That's very Kyle He does. Yeah. Second of all, he calls her sweetheart. Yes. Which is like, you know, the name that everyone was like, because like in the Force Awakens novel, Junior believe, novel, novelization, yeah. uh, a voice is like, I'll come back for you, sweetheart. I'll forever be angry that was never dealt with. And resolved and the fandom all Raylos were like that has to be Ben because who else calls who sweetheart it's Han and Leia so anywho love that you know that little nugget was in there and lastly I love that we got a bridal carry because how did yes how did it all start a bridal carry in the forest that's how it started out so I just love the little subtle details like that. Like, I noticed them. I loved it, too. And, like, I've already mentioned it, but, like, I don't know. I just feel like in this book, I felt safe, you know? Like, I felt like... Yeah, taken like, care of. Yeah, and I just, like, I felt like, I don't know, like, I was a part of it. Like, I honestly felt safe. And I I don't know if it's because I knew going in this was a Raylo book and it was written by a Raylo. I don't know, but I just, like, I love the feeling I got when I read this book. So, question. If everyone is a stand-in character for someone else in Star Wars, yeah. who is Tom? I don't know. Do you think he was, like, Snoke? No. Snoke was the... The, the mentor. The, the, the mentor, for sure. What I think is that Tom is, like, the bad side of Hux. Like, Jeremy was, like, Hux if Hux ended up with On. And then Hux, the student, like the 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 one that's always like you know fighting against Kylo and having this like bigger bickering thing, that I think is Tom. Or do you think it was a gender bent Phasma? No, Phasma. Who cares about Phasma? Phasma doesn't exist. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. 
I just, I think that Hux was, like, divided in two. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, because, yeah, Jeremy was very much golden retriever sweet boy, adorable little boy. Um, Ginger boy. Whereas Hux, I feel like in fanfics, he usually has a big edge um, if he's being paired with Rose. So, yeah, I could see that. I have one more thing I wanted to talk about. Oh, Um, wait, 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 wait. Oh, okay. As far as the bigness, I also have to say that um, it's mentioned that um, Adam can hold her down with a single hand on on her stomach. Yeah. If that, mm. Imagine the possibilities. I mean, we got one sex scene. Well, two, technically. Like, she was still so wet that he could just slip right in again. TMI. I mean, obviously y'all read it, but, like, yeah. I mean, I loved how after that, she, well, just before the second time around, the second round, uh, I loved how she was like, oh, maybe I should take a shower? Like, is that, like, sex etiquette? Like, I just loved her little, like you know yeah back and forth with herself like what's proper what's not anyways what were you gonna say no I was no also to continue with that I love that she was also like maybe Adam doesn't want to share the bed with me I'm just gonna move away go on my bed and he like hauls her back and he's like are you where are you going you're not going anywhere you're staying here under me that's it anyway sorry uh what I wanted to talk about and I want to ask you about how did you feel about like Adam and his presence in the book like do you feel like you got to know enough about him do you feel like you didn't know anything about him. How did you feel about, like, the answers we got to, like, questions we had? Like, how long, like, was he in love with her? How did he feel about the kiss? How, like, if, I guess, I'll ask the next question after, but how did you feel about that? Like, his presence. Is it bad to say that I don't care? Like, in the sense that I got what I needed yeah. out of it, if that makes sense. Like, he's there in, in all his glorious, mountainous way. Yeah. And self. Like, I don't need him to be more present than that. Like, it was enough. I wouldn't have minded, you know, chapters in his POV, but I actually kind of like that we don't. I mean, I personally would have wanted maybe, like, a few select chapters in his POV only because I felt like he was so mysterious and, like, I understand, you know, he is, like, this aloof presence in the story that, like, you really don't know what he's thinking. But I kind of would have liked to maybe know, like, how did he, like, feel about all of, like, from the beginning? Like, we know that he's kind of been crushing on her, but, like, would he have done anything to maybe pursue her if she never went and kissed him? Like, how... Would they have just, like, stayed strangers if she didn't go ahead and go kiss him the first time? Like, I don't know. I kind of would have liked him to answer that question as well. Or the question to be posed to him. I'm fine without, and I would have been fine with it. Yeah. That's how I feel about it. But that being said, I still really enjoyed this story. I just wanted to know your stance on that. And um, I also just want to mention, my mother is currently reading this book. Ooh, yeah. Yay. How's she liking it? Um, I think she's really liking it, but I also like made it known. I was like, Mom, this is Raylo, so you gotta read it. And then she's like, Oh my gosh, you're not done with that yet. Your mom's a Raylo? No. I mean, she under she empathizes, she understands, you know? Like she understands because I spend hours and hours. <laughs> she has no choice. I know you Seth. <laughs> with her. And like I even <laughs> cried to her. <laughs> so like 
She knows. So she's reading it because I told her um, I need her to read it. And it's also Raylo. So she is reading it. Well, I love that. I hope she loves it. I hope so, too. Um, I will say I posted the cover on my Instagram stories. And my sister messaged me. She has, like, I don't know. Like, she will read all the books that I that have, like, a turquoise cover with, like, yellow font. Really? Why? Yeah, like every time it's that kind of book, she's like, do you think I like it? Like The Kiss Quotient and then um, what, what a, The Hating Game and now this one just because like the cover is similar. She's like, do you think I'll like it? <laughs> I was like, sure. <laughs> Honestly, sure. What, what also boggles my mind is like when people look at this cover, they don't automatically assume Raylo. And I'm like, but how could you not? How? Yeah. How could you not? I know. Maybe because they don't know that artist's uh style like maybe we we're so used to it because she was you know a big Raylo artist so true like we know her kylo and her ray so like when we saw the cover we were like that's kylo and ray yeah yeah i agree but i mean like come on the hair is there her bun is there i feel like it's an o to her three buns anyways i love that cover and i think it's a masterpiece bottom line is I love how all the, you know, Raylo people in this community are going out there and, you know, creating transformative work out of their passion and love for this thing. And I love it. I love and it I love too. this book. I love it. And, and like, I hope that there's more. Yeah, exactly. There's so many more coming out and so many that are out right now and like, Listeners, if you want a list, you know, just hit us, like, hit us up. We'll give you a list of, you know, Raylo-influenced works out there. Um, also, Ali, I love that you paired your love for STEM and, like, your love for Raylo together. I think it's amazing, and it made for such a really raw, real, funny story as well. All right. Uh, well, if, like Seth said, you want to hit us up online uh, to talk about all the books written by Raylos out there or maybe you want to um I don't know talk to us about Raylo the door is open the door is open wide come and talk to or us or even if you want to talk to us about anything any at all really. we're desperate for any <laughs> communication is what Em is trying to say I'm kidding we're desperate for someone to come into our DMs and say you are not alone and for us to reply neither are you Ooh. They're such nerds, I can't. I honestly cannot. I mean, this was the episode, right? We are allowed to be our real selves yeah. to the max in this episode, so, you know. Also, quick mention, if you want to see and talk more about Raylo, like if you want to hear our talk about yeah. Ray and Ben, let us know. We would love to do an episode on that as well. Oh, yeah. I have thoughts and opinions mm -hmm. <laughs> and theories. Um, you know, I'm always ready to put my clown hat on yep. and uh, talk about Raylo. Anyways, tell, tell them where they can find us. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at Romance and the Monsters Podcast, also on Twitter at the RTM Pod, on TikTok at Romance and the Monsters Pod, and also our email is Romance and the Monsters Podcast at gmail.com. Um, you can also find me specifically on Instagram and Twitter at Foes and Lovers. And you can find me, Seth, on both Instagram and Twitter at Pose with Woes. 
And also, please feel free to leave us a rating or review on any podcast platform. It means the world to us just to like, you know, see another review or rating up there. If you have the time and you feel like you want to, please do. Yeah. All right. We'll see you next week, guys. Bye. Bye.